Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for being a loving and forgiving Father, even though we're not perfect, even though we make mistakes and have faults. You still love us. And for those of us that know you as a Savior, you still leading us and tugging at us. But God, as we ended last night with Ezekiel, we just pray, God, that you will take these hearts of stone, make them hearts of flesh, make them sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Because you're worried. It's true and tell us that you do deal with us through your spirit. But sometimes because of things in the world, we just get hard-hearted, disobedient. But we pray tonight that we would gain strength through your Holy Spirit to uh, win this battle that goes on between the old nature and the new nature. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. Again, as we look at the, the overall theme is uh, taking flight to where God leads you, we, we want to convey to you guys that what we're saying is, is God is not finished with you. Where you are right now is not where he wants you. He wants you to move on, and he's leading us to move on. For those of us who are familiar with the Old Testament scripture, if you remember when Israel was in the wilderness, they were commanded to stay in place as long as God's presence was there through the cloud and that night through the fire. But when that fire moved or that cloud moved, they were supposed to move out as well. And just like our theme trip is saying that Abraham moved out even though he didn't know where he was going, it was the same thing with the children of Israel. I mean, it was a... 16-day journey from the wilderness of, of, of on the other side of Jordan River to Canaan. It took them 40 years. So in those 40 years, the leading of the Spirit was leading them around and around and around. God was purging them of those who were disobedient. A new generation was born into uh, that environment. And can you imagine what some of the children would say when they got old enough? Daddy, why we keep going round and round and round? God was preparing them for battle, the conquest of Canaan. And sometimes when, when you seem like you ain't going nowhere, I want you to just really think about that God is leading you, preparing you for conquest. So our duck class subject, subject is the leading of the Holy Spirit. So tonight in session two, we want to look at the work of the spirit versus the work of the flesh. And uh, let's just get to it. Again, by way of review, there's only two places that 
this phrase of these words led by the spirits are recorded. One is in Roma, which we dealt with last night, and the other is Galatians, which we will deal with tonight. Uh, and tomorrow we will look at something entirely different. By overview, when we talk about Galatia, in this letter to the Church of Galatia, this is what the, uh, I think the Bible Knowledge Commentary says, Paul emphasized the ongoing role of the Spirit in the lives of the believer. It is only through his work, talking about the Spirit, that their hearts, talking about God's people, that they will not carry out and fulfill the lust of their sinful nature, that is the flesh. And I want you to kind of look at that. That's your self-life. That's what yourself want to do, which seeks to satisfy its own sinful, destructive desires and reaction or behavior. I want, I want someone to uh, kind of complete this scripture for me that David wrote in Psalm 51. When he says this, I was born. Okay, somebody get the mic. I heard somebody say it. Rose, back. We got mics out there? Go ahead, Rose. Mm -hmm. In iniquity. And I was shaped in, okay, born in sin, in my sin. wife corrects me, and shaped in iniquity. So what does that mean? What, 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 is, what is David really saying when he says, I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity? <laughs> Pat says, I have a problem. Take Nate? a shot at it, Pastor. We was born in the flesh. Right, born in the flesh. And shaped in the spirit, in the Holy Spirit. Not, not, not yet, not, not yet. yet. Okay. Was born how? So, so that means that when we are born, we have a sin nature, a narrative. How many of y'all raised kids? How many of you seen babies as young as six months throw tantrums? When they get used to you responding to their cries and they want something. Even though they can't talk, they have a way of acting. How many actually taught your child to lie? Now, how many of y'all children have lied to you? you? You didn't teach them that. It's something that we're born in, and we have to really acknowledge that. And that's why we need to be born again. Because we come here with that sin nature. That's their self-life. Going back to my my uh, picture of a baby, a baby really wants its own way. Now, we have a tendency that we can actually spoil them, but they come naturally to some degree small, even though they don't have a clue about life. That's that sin nature that's in you. The believers should walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Oh, big deal. We know that. To walk in or abide the Spirit is, is to allow him to have his way. And who are we talking about when we say his way? The Spirit's way. Let's talk about how sin came into the world. You have the two created 
humans, Adam and Eve, Satan comes to Eve and he makes a statement, has God said? And his whole thing was this. God knows that when the, the moment that you eat of this tree that he told you not to eat, you are going to become like him. In the mind of humanity, even in the state of innocence, that meant that Eve was not going to have to answer to nobody. So when she partook of the fruit and gave it to her husband, they began to have now a new nature. And that is self-will. I want to do what I want to do the way I want to do it. And all of us have that in us. And to, for us to submit ourselves to the Spirit of God is going to take some work. And we learned last night, the unregenerated man, the unsaved, they can't do it. So what we're talking about when we say uh, to walk in the Spirit is to remain in constant communication with the Spirit, is to make decisions in light of His holiness. This speaks of the power of the holiness which the Lord demands. What does the Lord demand? Be ye perfect as I am perfect. That's the Lord's demand. We may not be perfect, but we should be on the road to perfection. That should be our goal. Walking in the Spirit means to keep in step with the Spirit. It's a, uh, a military picture of a soldier marching under the direction of a commanding officer. Now, do I have anybody here that got a military background? Okay. All right, yeah, Nate, Nate, you, you, you'll do just fine. Stand up a minute. Come on. No, you come on down here with me. Now, when you was in basic training, they had, they had these, uh, these drills and sometimes these parades. You're familiar with that, right? Okay, if you heard the command, attention, what would you do? Okay. If you heard the command, left face, what would you do? You heard the, the, the command, right face, what would you do? You heard the command, at ease, what would you do? You ain't forgot nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold it, stay there. Stay there. Because, see, he didn't move until I told him to move. He did not know what I was going to say. And if I said something like flight, that will let him know there's going to be a command following this. And if I said attention, he'll, he, he will know what to do. He's, he's under the command, but he's waiting on me to give him the next command. At ease. You can go back to your seat now. <laughs> now, how did you, you, how did you learn that, brother? Give brother friend, friend the mic. How did you learn that, Nate? I had an instructor. Okay. And what did that instructor do? Gave direction. And you as a young, as a young airman, what did you do when he gave the instruction? Practice. Okay. So you see, based on that, and this thing right here when it says, it means to keep in step with the spirit. You've got to be in tune with, thank you, Holy Ghost. Nate, did you learn that at home? No, sir. You had to do something, didn't you? 
What did you do when you, before you learned all that? You was a civilian, and then what did you do? I had to commit. I had to uh, give myself. And how did you do that? I'm trying. I'm trying to get you to say one word. Civilian. You was a civilian, and what did you do? I enlisted. Okay. You joined the Air Force. I joined. Okay. You had to be a part of it before he could do any of those things. Y'all get where I'm going with that? See, a lot of things, a lot of people are trying to do right, but they ain't enlisted in, the, in God's army yet. And if you ain't enlisted in God's army, you, you're not going to be willing to sit down, listen to the instruction that God has given you. In this case, the Holy Spirit. Okay. Thanks. Patrick got it, Candace. Okay, y'all both can go. <laughs> We're going to go back. I didn't give him command, so I should have gave him command. We're going to go to Galatians 5 and 16 right now. Looking at the new uh, international version. Ready? Let's see what it says. By the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh, for the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, for these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Got in the married folks in the house. Kind of take off what we talked about last night. You got two people in the house from two different backgrounds, two different uh, sexist, or should be. So you don't think a lot. Uh, how long was it before you had your first argument after you got married? Anybody know? First argument. I heard something out there the first day. That's why marriage takes work. Because there's a constant battle between men from Mars and women from where? Venus. It's a constant battle. We don't think alike. Now, I teach this in, in marriage counseling. What you're doing, you are on a journey to oneness. A journey to oneness. When Jesus was talking about, and the two shall become one flesh, no, he didn't say mine. He said one flesh. So you are on a journey to oneness. But during that journey, there's going to be some pulling and some tugging. But you're still married. So when we look at this, say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. I want you to look at being married to your old nature. But you're trying to maintain dominancy or you're trying to gain dominancy and that's what we're going to look at tonight. Because here, it's, it's battle lines are drawn. You have to recognize it's battle lines are drawn. The word translated walk is the Greek word and much, don't worry about this, it's, it's pep rip a T. It is in the present imperative verb. Now anytime you see that word imperative, it's a command. 
Now, anybody know anything about English, you know, mean, no verb means some type of action, right? So this is a command to act. It literally translated, keep on walking. Keep on walking. Now, here's the issue on that. There are some times, like when I had Nate up here marching, if I told him to march, and he was going straight out that door, and the doors weren't open, he was supposed to keep on walking regardless. But what do we do? If we're marching toward a wall or a door, or we think something we can't see, what do we do? I'm throwing it out there to y'all. The commander ain't said stop. So, so, so why do we stop? Okay, let me hear you talk. Because we go by what we see. Not only about what we see, what else? Okay, somebody else. We go by what we see. What we feel. I hear. Who said that? What we feel. We go by how we feel. We go by. I can't hear. What we think. We go by what we think, but that ain't what the commander told us. So we're supposed to keep on walking. Isn't it amazing that when when God does something good and we can see it, we're we're completely okay with it. But when he began to do things where we can't figure it out, that that's when we want to stop walking. And I tell you what else, Ron, a lot of us don't stop walking, but we slow down real slow. Because we don't, yeah, also because we don't understand. As the believer walk through life, they should depend on the indwelling Holy Spirit for the guidance and power. But the Spirit does not operate automatically. Y'all got that? It doesn't operate automatically in a believer's life. But what it does, it wants to be and it waits for you to depend on him. But when we yield to the leading of the spirit, we will be empowered to resist gratifying the lust of the flesh. The spirit... As someone once said, is a gentleman. He does not twist your arm to do anything, but he gently tugs at you the more you become sensitive to him to do certain things. How many of y'all can confess that you knew you should have done something, but either what you saw or what you felt or what you thought made you stop or slow down? When you knew it was right. I, I, I know we had uh, uh, a couple of conversations, and, and I don't know if it was Karen Brooks or, or, or somebody else that said that the Lord was, was leading them to give a substantial amount of money to somebody, and they really didn't want to do it. And I heard somebody testimony and said, I don't know who that was too, that they didn't have but a certain amount of money, and the Lord told them to give that to somebody. Well, first of all, think about this. The devil probably ain't going to tell you to give away your money to somebody. Think about that. Especially when it's your last, because you can't see the end results of it. The spirit and the flesh are a constant conflict. God does not remove the fleshly nature from the believer at the time of their conversion. 
instead of removing the old nature, God gave us his Holy Spirit to indwell us. We must remember that God's spirit and our flesh are in constant warfare against each other. And that's going to stay as long as we're in this fleshly body. What's our part? Our part, then, is to, in this battle is to yield to the Holy Spirit leading. And we have to remember this verse. It's the verse in, in, in Corinthians says, the weapons of our warfare are not calm or not flesh. So we can't fight it by what we think. Can't fight it by what we feel. We can only fight it through the Spirit of God. But if you were led by the Spirit, you were not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Y'all see what's highlighted there in red? Will not. Will not. Fact. Now, I want y'all to kind of do an ouch test. Whenever some of these things hit you, I want you to just say ouch. Okay? Now, as, as Paul began to break this down, he, he basically tells us that if we are led by the Spirit, we're not under the law. Remember we talked last night about the law of sin? Okay, now he said, now the deeds are the works. The King James put it, the works of the flesh of these. And he began to name them. Now, we're going to look at these, these, these things individually uh, in, in two different versions. And I want you to kind of just think about you and how your flesh have been led you to maybe do some of these things and also how much you have grown and how much you may need to grow as we look at the works of the flesh. Now, okay, Karen Brooks. Okay, Pastor, I'm going to say this, throw myself out there. But like, I sometimes when I'm teaching my kids, and there are a whole bunch of words up there, and I tell them if you don't understand it, you need to ask me what it means. So I'm going to ask you <laughs> before you go through these, what is faction? Uh, that is division. That's fighting, disagreement. We're going to break it down in a little bit. That's a good one too. I'm glad you brought that one up. And I want you, I want really want you to be honest with yourself. We we all got some of these things. In us, some of us, God has delivered us from it, but we really just have to be honest and basically just say, Lord, I need working on in this particular area. But I want you to look at what uh, 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 Schofield said. Schofield is a noted Bible author, one of the first studied Bibles I ever read some 30 years ago. But listen to what he said. It's, it's kind of unique. The problem of the Christian life is based on the fact that so long as Christians live in this world, he is two trees. Y'all got that? He's two trees. Now he's talking about that in your nature. The old tree of the flesh and the new tree of the divine nature implanted by the new birth. And the problem itself is how to keep barren the old tree and make fruitful the new tree. And he said the problem is solved by walking in the spirit. 
I want you to think about what you're saying here. You, you, you have inside of you two trees. One, you don't want to bear fruit, and the other, you want to bear fruit. Now, if you, you kind of like, if you like gardening like I do, and you got whatever plants you got out there, if you water one, it seems like the other one is going to also get nourishment as well. But you don't want one to bear, bear fruit, and you want the other one to bear fruit. And the most sometimes the more you try to make the one that you want to bear fruit more, you're giving fuel to the one that you, you want to keep bearing. And that being said, this is what's going on. You can't do it. You have got to realize you cannot control you. Y'all hear me? I know we think we're in charge of ourselves, but you can't control you. And some of the things, and this one thing that hit me uh, uh, that I'll maybe confess later on. But being a Christian does not exempt you from you. And I'm talking about the old nature. Okay. Both the desires of the flesh and the leading of the spirit produces fruit. Both of them do. Paul called them both works or deeds because they require effort to produce both. Desires of the flesh works on you, your mind. The leading of the spirit works in you, your heart. Y'all got that? The desires of the flesh will change your wants. The leading of the spirit will change your ways. The desires of the flesh gravitate toward the physical. The leading of the spirit elevates toward the spiritual. Pinch yourself for a minute. Did you feel it? If you really pinch yourself to the point that it bleeds, did you like it? We do not like to hurt ourselves. We like to pacify this flesh because it feels good. Simple fact is that. Now the King James Version lists these fruits and notice we says S here because there are more than one of the flesh. And when we look at this, you may not have all of them, and I pray you don't, but you probably got one, if you be honest with yourself. Adultery. If you don't have it now, you probably did. That's unfaithfulness in marriage. Fornication. Unlawful sexual intercourse. And this includes anything other than in the bonds of marriage between a man and a woman. Uncleanness. This is moral evil, sensuality. It has to do with some things of morally unclean, religious type defilement. Lewdness. Shameless conduct. Now I'm pretty sure everybody feeling pretty good about themselves right now, ain't they? Because if you, you haven't, God don't deliver you from it. Okay, we good with that. Idolatry. Worship of idols and demons. Now I don't think nobody here worship demons. But there's something else that's been more important to you than God. 
you're going to probably say no. The next time Sunday rolls around and you feel a little tired, maybe you ain't feeling in good health, so you say, I am not going to go to church today. Then Monday comes and you're feeling even worse. But you struggle, you get yourself some medication, you've gone to the job. You just gave in to a night. I, uh, I ain't heard of ours yet, okay. <laughs> Sorcery, witchcraft. I don't mess around with no witches. But if I ask you what's your sign, what would you say? All you got to do is look in the book of Daniel. You'll find out that this ain't nothing but witchcraft. I don't care how much they put it in the paper. Them zodiac signs ain't nothing but witchcraft. And for us, that's a bunch of lies, too, because share with y'all, I've probably been married longer than anybody in this church right now. And Ann and I are both born in March in the same what they call sign of Pisces. And according to what they told us, we weren't supposed to make it. Fifty-four years later, here we are. Hatred. Feeling of malice and revenge. I'll be a whole bunch of How many of y'all just want to get back at somebody that did something to you? And the Bible says vengeance is the Lord. In other words, you, you, you cannot be vengeance. He's going to replay. But if you plot it in your mind how you're going to get back at a person, okay. We ain't through with you. Contention. This is the word fraction, Carrie. Discord. Strife. Quarrel. Have you ever seen somebody that seems like they want to pick a fight with you? <laughs> and, and have you ever been in an argument with somebody that they want to win on call, at all costs? Morgan? <laughs> this is continuing. This, what does it do? It, it, it really divides us. And here, Paul is speaking. He's writing to Christian folks. He said, these are the works of flesh. He's basically saying, okay, you're supposed to be past these. All right. Jealousy. Actually, we, in the King James, this is jealousy, but it should be really probably envy, but it's distrust and suspicious. You're suspicious of, 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 of everyone. I, I remember when Beulah Land moved from where they were to the church they are in now, which used to be uh, Fellowship, uh, Baptist Church, where it was. Pastor over there was named John. He and I had developed a relationship. And he was trying, before they moved the church out of the area over there, they were trying to get the African American community to come and embrace it. They had recognized that the, that, the, uh, that the neighborhood had changed. And what they discovered was that the African American people over there did not trust them. They had, a, they had what, something like what we're going to have Saturday a community outreach. The way they brought the people in and were showing them what they do, showing them the love of Christ. 
And he says, one individual told him when you got up, he says, okay, now you, you got us here, what you want? What you want? They were suspicious because they distrusted them. They said, you guys have got the ones y'all can't be doing this out of your heart. Wayne through. Wrath. And this is me. Outburst of passionate anger. Anybody got a temper? Has a temper? God had to show me me. Two years in a row, we went to, uh, I think it was Grace Church, Pastor Wisdom. At that time, we were raising a uh, teenage daughter, a granddaughter, Amber. After the service, I mean, a wonderful message, and everybody tells me what a great message I preached and all that, and I'm just, I praise God, I praise God. We get in the car, and Amber's on the, the cell phone, and I say, Amber, get off the phone. And she said, hold up. I found myself with my hand in her chest like this, and my wife said, Dave, you on church ground. <laughs> Next year, same church, something else happened. I find myself getting out the car, getting ready to snatch her out the back seat. Same worries. Wait till you get home, dear. I realized right then I had an anger problem completely out of control. As I confessed to you last night, it may have been pride. This girl ain't going to do me this way. I'm feeding her. She's living in my house. She is not going to do this. She's going to do what I say. But the problem is that's how it manifests itself in wrath. So, ouch. Have I hit you yet? Okay, anybody, anybody clean, just let me know. All right, because I ain't through with you. Selfish. Self-centered ambition, striving to be number one at all expense. This is another thing when we say born in sin, shaped in iniquity, Rose Mack. I don't know if you noticed that when Caleb was out here leading the crowd, that eventually her youngest son took over. Y'all probably didn't see that, but Brayden got in front of Mama. My uh, cousin Lamar, uh, who has a, 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 a grandson named Kamar, and, and he was relating an incident to me where his dad was driving a car and the traffic was kind of going slow. And he said, Granddaddy, get up in front. You need to be the line leader. You see, that's, that's that thing that's innate inside of us, that we want to be number one. And we don't care who it hurts. How many of y'all have been cut off on the interstate? I mean, goodness gracious, going down here toward the aisle and aisle, they were, I'm telling you, you're going to 75? You better be careful when they get them out. How some people are cut right in front of you, and then you get up there red like God. You're still going to be behind them. But it's something inside of us that tells us that I've got to be number one and at the expense of others, I'm going to be here. i got in the ouches out there. Selfish. Dissension. 
causing separation because of disagreement. Do y'all really understand how many churches have split? There are so many churches in this community that's an offshoot of another church, mainly because somebody did not agree with somebody else. So I'm just going to take my group of members and we're going to go over and we're going to start our own ministry. Macon does not have more churches in the United States per capita than anybody else without reasons. Y'all realize that that's where when you got First Baptist and Second Baptist, that that split. You also realize that when you had a new Pine Grove, you had an old Pine Grove. That's a split. Okay, y'all. Y'all get it. So many of them, and I'm sure some of y'all could probably name some that has split because we got dissension, disagreement, heresy, sex formed by men with self-willed opinion. This is a little bit more serious because it means that their doctrine is false. Jim Jones, David Koresh, a lot of other these people, even the Mormons, even Jehovah's Witness, I know some of y'all may not like it. Self-willed opinions. Envy. Displeasure at the success of others. Okay, nobody nobody gonna confess up to that one. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki. Have you ever said something like this? Why did church got so many folks? <laughs> well, we got empty pews. Well, ouch. Murder, unlawful killing of another. On the surface, this looks like it ain't me. But when Jesus talks about killing people with our tongues, we can say, ouch. You're murdering or you're slandering their reputation. Drunkenness, intoxication with some type of outside drink. No, okay. We okay with everybody? Everybody got that ouch in? Let's see if we can get one more universal ouch. If not now, used to be. Revelies. Rogers Garing for ungodly entertainment. Anybody got a party spirit in there? Hey! Yeah. And let me hit you with it. We bring that spirit right there in the church. We take things from the world and we bring it right on into the church. Patrick would be a witness. A lot of the songs that we love and sing came out the club. Or came from some other singer. We love to have fun. We love to do it. Up until recently when social media took over, where was, most, where was the dating sites? It wasn't the church, was it? It was the club. 
Most people met at the club. Yes, ma'am. Got a question? Or a comment? <laughs> so, is that like family reunions when we're doing no, the slides? No, it's not. Oh. Mm -mm. <laughs> uh, but it could be. <laughs> but notice it said here ungodly entertainment. Now, we ain't talking about drinking. We ain't talking about drinking at all because if you look at weddings, and this is why I advocate that weddings should not be in the church. They should be some other place. Because when Jesus had turned the water into wine, it was at a venue for a wedding. There's nothing wrong with that gathering where you celebration, two people join together. There's nothing wrong with the family reunions where people gather together. Not even the ones, I know a lot of y'all don't like to go to them like I don't. Because when we go to ours in July the 4th, they wait till I leave. Isn't that right, honey? <laughs> and then they do their thing. Even some, even some of the people that I married here, they have us there. I don't, I don't, by the way, too, I don't do receptions. But when Ann and I went to reception, they had it planned. When Pastor Dave leaves, then the party's going to start. But I do want to hit on something about family reunion because it does show you the works of the flesh. And it goes back up to maybe selfishness. How many of y'all have been to family reunions and you always got one family member that's going to let you know that he's or she's been successful above everybody else? And before they started putting these tags on these rental cars, when I used to go to uh, uh, family reunions, these people were driving up there with Mercedes and, and BMWs and all that. And telling you about all the jobs they have and the position they have. We didn't know them cars to rent it. <laughs> Had an individual uh, that my cousin brought an individual down from Chicago once to the house in Atlanta. And he was uh, an individual that was kind of arrogant, and he was downing us Southerners with his northern Chicago accident, accent. <laughs> and then as we began to eat, uh, somebody had cooked some chili. And as they were passing around, he looked at them, Put some on his plate, but I was surprised. Then he said, Pat me the hot sauce. <laughs> My daddy named them hot sauce that day. His whole Chicago accent went out then. We recognized that he was about nothing then, but he gave us this impression that I am somebody. So a lot of times, nigga, when people go to the family union and they go with this idea, I want to impress everybody here. Well, what are they doing? It boils right down to it's a work of the flesh. Amen. Any other question? Did anybody get through this without having an ouch in their lives? Thank you, Lord. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 24 just basically said, you belong to Christ, 
Your whole process is to crucify and then just to mortify. What do you do with a dead body? But there's a process before you bury that body. In the African-American society, and I just left awake where, uh, you know, a good friend passed of mine, Bobby Brown's path. And I was looking at him right in the pulpit where he preached that. Now his body is laying. But that was a process before Bobby got to where he was in that casket. After he died, he had to go to the funeral home. And during the process of the funeral home, they had to embalm and do a process for preparing. That's what crucify the flesh. That word crucify really means. It means to mortify. It ain't a done deal. It's constantly having something in your life die. And it talks about the passion. Notice this, I don't know if you call it, but the word fruit is singular, indicating the unity of nine individual virtues that we name. Peace, love, love, and all that stuff. This fruit is the life of Christ living out in the Christian. The fruit of the Spirit is not produced by the believer. Do you hear me? It's not produced by a believer. You can't produce it. It is a product of the Holy Spirit working through those who are in a same relationship with Christ. And it is a process. The fruit of the Spirit will eventually be found in every Christian who lives under control of the Spirit. Eventually, you will get there if you continue to walk. Okay, we got something else. I'll hold that. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Paul is basically saying, if you say, act like it. Even, even though it's not works, but if you save, you need to act saved. And then he says something, okay, let us not, talking about us as individuals. Paul reminds the Galatians what it means to live in the Spirit. Through the Spirit's work, Christians are to walk in a straight line. Now, y'all remember when I had Nate up here? If I had had the time to get right, got him out here and said, forward march, Nate was going to walk straight in the line until I told him to stop, turn left or turn right. Paul wanted to read against the opposite of what it means to walk in the Spirit. He said, if you ain't walking in the Spirit, then you're going to have some conceit. You're going to have vainglory. You're going to have something to boast about, even when you ain't got nothing to boast about. You have a false estimate of yourself. And he said, provoking one another was used for a challenge of one in an athletic or even a combat. You know, some of y'all, some of y'all didn't, didn't see uh, Karen Morgan kind of hitting the husband, but if I walked out here to run, snap that run. And I said, I am taking a stance. I am challenging him because everybody knows what it means. Put up your dukes. (laughs) 
Now, I want, I want to go back. We're going to go back to this marriage thing again. I don't know why the Lord lead me to this, but I don't need to know. How many, when we get into a situation that we are verbally saying to our partner, put up your dukes. We, we, we're ready to fight. Put up your dukes. No, you don't cross the line. Or you don't say something. So we say something. And I want you to think about what is your phrase word, a catchword that really implies put up your dudes. It may be something like, you don't talk to me that way. You basically saying put up your dudes. Here's a good one. I ain't no child. You ain't my daddy. You ain't my mama. All these things are saying put up your dudes. In the church, he wear his pants just like I wear mine. You're saying put up your dudes. You're provoking one another. And sometimes we don't have to say a word to provoke one another. It's our silence, Sister Carrie, that says, put up your dues. So sometimes, Stephen, we have to speak up. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's one of the things that I've heard somebody say. He won't talk. He said, she talked too much. But you're saying, pull up your dudes. Provoking one another, even in the church. Can I give another example? You ain't seen somebody in church in pretty good while. And the first thing you say when you're saying, where you been? You're provoking. You're provoking. Amen. Being led by the Spirit means to keep in step with Him. Brother, friend, up, two, three, four. Those in the military, you know that the cadence of call by the commanding officer or the drill sergeant, and he determines how fast you walk. It's a military tone to be drawn up in a line. All of the people uh, would come together and we would line up. And to make sure we were in a line, we would do something like this. And then we would adjust according to where we're supposed to be. Having been engrafted into the Christ body, we are to walk in the spirit, be led by the spirit, been step with the Spirit every day of our life. Amen. It suggests the idea of conformity to Christ on the leadership of the Spirit. Therefore, just as we put death to death, the old existing of the flesh in mortification, so too we move forward in the life of faith by keeping in step with the Spirit in our attitude, in our conduct, in our lifestyle. Can we look at that backwards? See, many of us got it together in our lifestyle. Well, some of us may struggle in our conduct, but how many of us really can say that in our attitude we are being led by the Spirit? See, an attitude is something that nobody sees. 
You may not say it, but you think it. And the Spirit is trying its best, his best, to deal with you. Okay, in the application, we're going to do something. We're going to compare the work of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. And it may kind of tell you that you probably need to say ouch again. The fruit of the Spirit and the fruits of the flesh are polar opposite. So the question I have to you as we get close to a close, are you led or do you follow? All right. There's certain things we're going to do when we're led by the Spirit. There's certain things that's going to take place when we follow the flesh. Now, again, remember, these are opposite. So, the fruit of the Spirit tell us to love. What does the flesh tell us? Hey, fruit of the Spirit tell us, oh, That we should have joy in all situations. What does fallen flesh tell us? All the depth, sadness, but misery. Nothing is good, always pessimistic. When led by the Spirit, we have what? But if you fall in the flesh, what you got? If you're led by the Spirit, you got what? With that person that's not (laughs) your favorite. But if you follow the flesh, guess what? You're impatient. You got no patience with it. If you're led by the Spirit, you're told to be what? Have gentleness. So if you follow the flesh, got brutality. I want y'all to really think about that one because it ain't necessary about the fact the physical. Here can be that attitude. Here can be that verbal comment that you make. Cutting down people. Being brutal with your tongue. Led by the spirit, you're going to have goodness. When you follow the flesh, that's going to lead you to evil. You led by the Spirit, you're going to have faith. But if you follow the flesh, you're going to have unbelief. You ain't wonder that you have unsaved people come into the church and when you give the invitation, they stay in their seat. That's a lot of unbelief. If it's no more unbelief, then I believe I got another day. You're led by the Spirit, you're going to have an attitude of meekness. When you follow the flesh, you're going to have an attitude of pride. When you're led by the Spirit, you're going to have tempers, which means control. 
they will cause them for your outburst of anger. You're going to have control. But when you follow the flesh, it's uncontrollable. You can get so angry sometimes that you react without thinking and you will always regret it as you simmer down. Tomorrow lesson, we're going to be looked at Holy Spirit-influenced worship. A lot of this stuff we do in the name of worship may not be influenced by the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that tomorrow night. Amen. Are there any questions or comments? <laughs> Last thing I want to say, put down your dupes. Let the Lord defend you in Jesus' name. Stand with me, please. Father God, I thank you for these people who came tonight. Pray that they have received something that they heard from you. Pray that we'll all be more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not a problem of you leading. It's a problem of us following. One of the reasons we're not following is because we are not sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit. But we've enlisted in your army. You are our commanding officer. Let us be attentive to your voice for your next command. Again, thank you. I pray for traveling safety for these people to go. I pray for the snacks that they will receive to refresh them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.